Welcome into Bearcat Rewind, the 87th edition of our podcast today. And as we go throughout the fall, it feels like each week brings another rivalry game for Northwest Missouri State football, which I guess is what happens when you're that good and everyone circles the game against you on the calendar. Last week it was Missouri Western, the Bearcats dropped the Griffins. This week it's Pittsburgh State. Now this series has seen tremendous games in the regular season and the playoffs, in the jungle at Pitt or Arrowhead Stadium in Kansas City, and of course, right here in Maryville. And this week's game will be played on Mel Churchman Field, just the second home game of the season for Northwest Missouri State. Now the last time these two teams met in Maryville, 2016, homecoming, more than 10,000 fans in the stadium, the Bearcats on a 23-game win streak, and one of the most memorable plays you will ever see in a college football game. Kevin Berg with an interception around the Northwest 8-yard line just before halftime. He returned it to the 30 before pitching it to Eddie Ritchie. Ritchie with a lateral to Jared Bishop and Bishop to Harold Brantley. The defensive lineman carried it the rest of the way to the end zone, part of a dominant Bearcat victory. That was one of the best teams in Northwest history, too, going 15-0. Later won a national championship that season. And today we're talking with the man that started that play, a two-time All-American at Northwest, Kevin Berg. Berg was a leader of that defense. He wrapped up his career with 15 interceptions, sixth most all-time in the program. And he joined the podcast to talk about that matchup with Pittsburgh State, but also a career that featured three national titles. The Bearcat Rewind is brought to you by the Northwest Foundation, providing support for the Northwest Alumni Association and the university's funding needs since 1971. More information is available on Facebook or online at nwmissouri.edu foundation. And Clorinda Regional Health Center, offering support to Southwest Iowa and Northwest Missouri each day during times of uncertainty through a local team of providers and nurses. More information at clorindahealth.com. Kevin Berg is our guest on the podcast discussing the matchup with Pitt State, his ability to always make big plays against the Gorillas, and being a member of the most dominant defense in Division II football. Let's dive into this week's Bearcat Rewind. On the podcast today, we have Kevin Berg, a two-time All-American for Northwest Missouri State. He's also two-time first-team All-MIAA, sixth in career interceptions. Kevin, it's great to have you on and talk some Northwest football. Well, thanks so much for having me, Matt. It's uh, it's going to be a lot of fun. It's always a little bit different whenever football season rolls around and you're not in Maryville, but it's fun to be a spectator and a fan of it now. And the calendar flips to October. It's still supposed to be like upper 80s for the game this weekend, so it doesn't quite feel like it should this time of year. But when you see the Bearcats on the field, it's Military Appreciation Day and Pittsburgh State's in town, so you know it's going to be a big game. And, and it seems like any time that you step foot on the field, it was always a big day for Kevin Berg as well. What was the rivalry like when you played? Oh, man, so many fun memories pop up to my mind. But, yeah, you really kind of dial into, um, you know, whenever I first got onto campus, you know, we were still playing the Fall Classic with Pitt at Arrowhead. And I think really getting that, that first taste of the rivalry down at Arrowhead was um, was one of the, the funnest times <laughs> that I can remember. It was my, uh, my true freshman year, and it was a great battle between Northwest and Pitt um, that really kind of came down to the last few minutes. But that was really my first taste of really what the rivalry is all about, how intense it is, and really records kind of go out the window whenever a rivalry like this rolls into town. So that was always something that you knew you were going to get your best, uh, the best punch from, from Pitt no matter what, what the record is or what ours was. Uh, you always knew it was going to be a great game. So for you, 15 career interceptions – Four of them coming against Pittsburgh State, two in 2015, two in 2016. Is there anything you can pinpoint for 
why that particular game where that was the ball was finding you? <laughs> well, first of all, I would give credit to our uh, our front seven for all of those. Um, you know, we we played in a time where our our D line was really probably one of the best that we've had. So definitely the uh, the pressure that our front seven would get. So shout out to uh, my my older mate Colin Bevins and, and Coach Wright for dialing up some some blitzes to get me the ball, but. I think it was honestly, um, it was always just one of those games that you always just felt, you know, it was always different in town. There was always something just this different in the air, but you always wanted to show up with your best. And uh, for me personally, I always knew that whenever Pitt rolled into town or, or us down there, um, you know, the, the big time players got to make big time plays. And that was kind of our motto as a defense where no matter who was rolling out there, um, we had to have each other's back and, and really take on, you know, the best shot that we could get from Pitt. Now, big-time players make big-time plays. That matchup was always huge. Uh, both teams got up for it, although there were certain times that one team just was on that particular day and, and kind of took over. And one of those was actually the last time that Pittsburgh State came to Maryville. We'll go back to 2016, 69-10. I mean, Northwest absolutely dominates that one from start to finish. But that was also had one of the crazier football plays that you would ever see. Into the first half, you get an interception, you take it back to the Pittsburgh State 30, a pitch to Eddie Ritchie, a pitch to Jared Bishop. Harold Brantley gets it and takes it into the end zone. How do you look back on that play? What's going through your mind as it's happening? I mean, i just curious about everything that went into just an insane play that ended up Sports Center top 10. Yeah, it's always fun to relive that one. But um, that is definitely one of the, the one that pops off in my mind. And, and you never forget a play like that. But it was funny. Um, I want to say it was. You know, we were up by probably 30 at the point of halftime and rolling in. They were, I want to say they had just crossed our 50 or so. And uh, I remember they had just enough time for one one, uh, one play at the end of the half. We get called over because there's a timeout. And, you know, the, the normal uh, protocol at the end of the half is, is to knock the ball down. So that's what we were kind of reviewing. And the huddle is, guys, let's just knock the ball down. Let's get in half. We had a great half, and uh, I remember looking at, at my uh, one of my best friends, Jack Young, and I looked at him, and I was kind of like, you know, if we one of us gets a pick, you know, we're taking this back to the house, and there's no way that we're going to bat the ball down. And so it, it was kind of funny how it worked out, where as soon as the, the ball went up from, uh, from the QB's hands, it was just coming right at me, and there was that alley on the right side, and, uh, and Jake Bullstead, we laugh about it to this day. He led, uh, he led me on the sidelines to where I should have just kept on following him and taking it in for six myself. I don't know what I saw, but I somehow and for some reason cut it back to the left and remember just getting drilled in the ribs by one of their tight ends. And I kind of flipped back and looked and it was just kind of a, a weird reaction, but I just kind of threw the ball up to who was Eddie at the time. Um, and then, you know, I'm laying on the ground with the hair kind of hit out of me. And uh, all of a sudden, you know, the crowd's just going crazy. And whenever I look up, I see uh, Big Harold running into the end zone. <laughs> so it was one of those plays that you kind of have to look back on and, and watch it to see what really happened. But, yeah, one of those plays that you, you never forget about. And it, uh, it was definitely even sweeter coming against a rival like that. I don't know if there's a better bodyguard you could have going down the sideline than Jake Volstadt. So when he brings that up, is he giving you a hard time of like, how do you not just follow me right down? 
<laughs> no, he is, he's always super gracious about it, and it's, it's hilarious, though. You do look at the film, and had I just followed him, I probably would have walked in pretty easily for six myself. But like I said, for some reason, it was just a, a weird instinct. You cut it back left. And also, uh, one of the funny things is, is if you go back and watch it, Coach Wright is just rumbling down the sideline. Like I think, I think that was probably the fastest I've ever seen him run. <laughs> so if you check it out the uh, the film next time, you can see Coach Wright sprinting down there right next to me. I'll have to, I'll have to check that out as we go because there are so many things happening within that play, and you see some pit offensive linemen at the end that are just so gassed and winded, and they've been beat up all half, and they're like, "We're not chasing Brantley down the sideline too." Like. <laughs> Put in this much effort so far. Um, so, so a f- phenomenal play, uh, just a complete dismantling of Pittsburgh State, unlike any other. Two years prior, they come in, I think it was homecoming 2014, they have some onside kicks, and they do a couple uh, different things to get a big lead on Northwest and go ahead and, and end a winning streak for the Bearcats, your sophomore season. Is that something that lingers in your mind a little bit? Even, you know, you beat them in 2015, but it comes back around to 2016 to where you're like, we remember that game, and we're still not happy about how that one ended to where we really want to hammer them when they come to town today. Oh, 100%. And I'd be lying if I said that wasn't the true motivation behind a lot of that that day. Um, you know, anybody who was involved in that game would, would rightfully admit that Pitt had, you know, just a much better day all around in that 2014 matchup. And so us as a class, we actually really learned a lot from um, those two losses that year that really kind of helped shape that final run for us of, of 2015 and 2016. But, of course, you know, you come out, um, I, if I remember right, it was one of our highest attended games as well. So you come out and you kind of lay an egg like that. It's, it lingers in the back of your mind throughout the off season and then entering into the year. So for us entering into 2015, we had a chance to go down to their place for the first time in a long time and, and play them. And that was, uh, that was a game that I remember definitely sticking out in my mind. But, yeah, the, as soon as we saw that we had Pitt State for homecoming match up our senior year, it was definitely one that we, uh, we all wanted to get up for and make sure that we, uh, we ended our career on the right note, I should say. So as you look throughout your career, you had a knack for some big plays. I mean, even going back to your freshman season, 2013, you had a pick. You played in all 15 games. But it feels like you really, really introduced yourself in that national championship game, you had the blocked punt that goes out of the back of the end zone. I mean, is it just something about being out on that field and, and there's so many great players around you that it raises your level to where you're playing just kind of, uh, even as a freshman, hey, if I'm a Bearcat, so I want to go all out. 100%. You hit the nail on the head whenever you're, you're surrounded by so many good players out there. And it's kind of you, you rise to their level or you kind of get forgotten, so to speak. So it, it really is about... No matter what opportunity you get, it's it's about taking advantage of that. And really, it could be a, a punt, it could be an offensive play, it could be a defensive play. But no matter whenever your name is called or whenever your time is is called, um, you got to step up and you got to show up. So our coaches they always did a wonderful job of preparing us and making sure that we were, you know, fully planned and, and fully prepared for the game at hand. But yeah, as a as a freshman coming in, it's one of those opportunities that you never think is going to happen and. Um, again, it was, it was one that I think back on and, uh, right before it, I was, I was talking to my buddy Jack and he looked at me and he said, big time players make big time plays at big time games. And that was kind of our, our motto as two walk-ons and turn into our, our first career is 
no matter where we're at, we're going to try to do our best to make a play. And uh, thankfully for me, uh, Coach KG, who is our defensive uh, our defense backs coach at the time, he dialed up a, a pump block for us that week, and it was a it was a lapse in communication that from Lenore Ryan. And as soon as I realized what was happening, I knew that we had a we had an opportunity to make a play. So definitely one of those that sticks out in my mind, and uh, really fun to kind of reminisce on now. Is that situational to where you're sitting there thinking like, all right? They're backed up. KG might call this block punt instead of just dropping back, or or was it kind of in the books regardless? You know, that year we had really been pressing, um, you know, our block kicks. And if I'm trying to remember right, but I think then I want to say we either tied or broke the record for most block kicks that year. And so that was kind of our MO at the time was we're going to apply pressure on punt block um, and, and extra points. You know, that's something that we really took pride in on. And you really see that in the numbers. So that was definitely something that we had dialed up. We had kind of seen a, a lapse in communication several weeks prior uh, between, I think it was the guard and tackle at the time uh, for their punt team. So it was something that we felt like we had a, uh, a good opportunity to make a play on. And then whenever it comes to fruition, it's always kind of fun to see the, the practice come out onto the field and then we're able to make a play like that. So. It was uh, it was definitely a, a great play design, and then for us to be able to go and execute it, that definitely takes all eleven players. So, whenever you see them get tied uh, tied down in their own you know ten yard line or so, it's definitely an opportunity to go out there and to make that play. Well, that made it nineteen to seven, and only a two possession game with the punt and, and and the block there even, but it still felt like all momentum was on Northwest side. It didn't feel like it was even just a two possession game at that point. But I remember working for KQ2 at the time, shooting highlights, and I'm like, this Bird kid, he, he might be all right. That was a big play. and Things seemed to work out in the long run overall for you. But I didn't realize that you just mentioned there, you and Jack Young were walk-ons at Northwest Missouri State? We were. And it's, uh, it's funny because that's our true freshman year. We decided to, um, to room together after I played at Rockers High School and he played at Just City, which... We were two rival high schools, and so we had got done playing, you know, four years against each other prior as enemies, and then we kind of came together, found common ground at Northwest, and our friendship really, you know, kind of kicked off from that freshman year where, you know, we were always in each other's ears, um, really kind of motivating each other through all those hard times, but for us, we, we took pride in being walk-ons, and it was something that we always kind of used as a chip on our shoulder you know, from our, our first play at Northwest all the way to our last play at Northwest was always something that kind of stuck with us. But, you know, being a walk-on is uh, it's almost kind of a, a privilege at Northwest because they, they give equal opportunities to every single player. And in the end, that's really what made me choose Northwest was uh, Joel Osborne. He assured me that playing time wasn't going to be an issue where we would have the exact same opportunity as anyone else. And, they really stuck by their word, and that's something that always has stuck out with me. Um, something that I love about Northwest is the coaches. They're, they're men of integrity. Uh, they really challenge you, but but to bring out the best in you as well. So, yeah, Jack entering, <laughs> Jack and I entering as walk-ons was uh, was really fun to look back on and, and see the development that we had underneath our coaching staff. Uh, and that goes for Joe Quinlan as well. We we definitely give him a lot of the credit because he uh, he helped us physically a lot. Our first freshman year kind of adapt to the whole uh college football playing life and you know without him i'm not sure that we have a lot of the success that we do uh that we're talking about nowadays so 
it's uh it's fun looking back on it now, but I'd be lying if I said it wasn't a big motivational tool that I used during my time at Northwest. And it seems like every year you always hear about a senior that at the time we didn't realize when they come in, but later on they become a starter, an impact player, a first team all MIAA player, and it's oh yeah, they were a walk on, they just worked their way up to it. It's it's really cool to see. Um while we've got it here, it's just me and you talking, so you can be one hundred percent honest. Uh, you and Jack anchored that back into the Northwest defense there for quite a while. Uh, which one would you say was the more talented, better safety at Northwest? Oh, my gosh. <laughs> Just me and you well, talking. I, so. I, I know that whenever he hears this, he's going to be right in my ear. But, uh, <laughs> man, I think that we each brought a different a different part to the game. Um, and I think that's why we worked so well together along with, like I said, the, the front seven that we had led by, you know, Jake Bullsett and Colin Bevins. You know, none of none of those plays that we get doesn't happen without them and all those guys around us for sure. But um, you know, for the for the sake of conversation and, and joking around, I'm always going to say myself. But I think that if you ask Jack the same question, you might get a different answer on that one. As a competitor should, so I, I like that answer there. Um, with you guys in the back end, how much are you directing traffic and, and really leading the communication in a coach right defense? Uh, I think that was really uh, an instrumental part of our development was um, whenever we switched defenses, basically between my sophomore and junior year, we shifted from more of a man um, a man technique team to more of a zone technique team. And we, we watched a lot of Michigan State film, honestly, where they really empowered their safeties to come out and to, to get guys into position and to make plays. So we really switched to more of a check-with-me type of defense where we were given the responsibility and the freedom to check into different coverages depending on what our formation saw and depending on what film said uh, or what film study led us to that week. So, yeah, being a safety in Coach Wright's defense is um, it's very freeing, honestly. Um, he puts a lot in your, your court and uh, makes sure that you're definitely prepared for the week at hand. But that's something that we really enjoyed was going out there and you could really kind of take ownership of the situation, you know, both good and bad. Um, but he really empowers his players to, to go out there. And honestly, he simplified the game a lot for us to where we could just go out there and we could have fun. Um, that was a, a big model for us is just remembering why we're playing the game. And in the end, you're playing football to have a good time. So he simplified things down. Uh, he empowered his players and really put us in a great position to go out there and make plays. And you still see that to this day where, you know, the defense is still at the top of the league um, in, in most every category, and that's due to him trusting his players and in return his, his players trusting them to, to be put in the right position. So it's an amazing defense. I could sit here for hours and talk with you about that, but he's done a, an amazing job of really developing the talent that he has uh, on that front line and then hiring, you know, the right coaches to be able to develop, uh, you know, the back-end players to really fit that. So over and above, I, I loved playing for Coach Wright and his defense. It was definitely um, one of the bright spots of, of playing at Northwest for me. And you were on some tr- tremendous defenses. I mean, freshman all the way through, but especially 2015, 2016, 30 games, uh, two unbeaten seasons and two national championships. But between those 30 games, just gave up 12.2 points per contest. I mean, how special is that when you look back and think about how dominant that group was? Not for not for a handful of games, not for just the playoffs one year, but for two seasons consecutive. Yeah, it's it's really it starts at the top with Coach Wright, and honestly, 
what what's great about Northwest is it's never about that one single year. There are always guys who have gone years before to lay the foundation for you. So, you know, we, we ended up having a great statistical season those final two years. But really, those guys that really helped us develop was our true freshman year and our, our freshman year playing that uh, 2012 and 2013 and 2014 defense. You know, with each year that goes by, you take parts of it that you learn from, both good and bad. But really those guys helping um, helping shape our direction and, and really bringing us along, we give them a lot of the credit too. Um, you know, I think about the late great uh, DJ Nader. He was one of those guys that uh, it's, he's got Bearcat running from through. And I can think back now on all the great memories that we had with him. But without those guys that really led the way and set the foundation for us, None of that's possible, you know, for, for what we get to accomplish later on down the road. So it, it definitely starts with those older guys that led the way for us. But then, um, you know, for us, we really kind of came together as one. Right after that Minnesota Duluth loss, it was kind of a, a fact check and an eye opening of it was one of our first round playoff losses for the first time in a long time. And it really kind of caused us to stop and, you know, check out our priorities and, and what are we doing this for? Why are we doing this? And so we just kind of got back to the basics, uh, entering into that 2015 season. And part of that was, you know, just playing, playing out there loose and playing out, playing a lot of fun. So for us, uh, entering in that 2015, 2015, 2016 season, we really developed week after week where I don't think we've kind of hit our final form until about week five. I want to say it was, uh, we just got done playing UCO and, um, our defense just it, it clicked, and then our offense, you know, something happened over there to where we just started playing really, really complimentary football, um, and then the, the scores just started to roll in where we trusted each other on every side of the ball. Uh, we knew exactly what we needed to do each week, but, yeah, those those defenses are definitely um, an amazing memory, and each one of those guys played a, an integral role in helping shape to, uh, Northwest to what it is today for sure those two dominant seasons for Northwest. It was obvious that you were very talented on the football field, but branching outside of that as well, I think people have also seen a lot of your talent digitally with what you do with video, with media. I don't know how many folks know that you made videos for Northwest and branched out after that, but um, the director of football created video media for KU after Northwest Missouri State. How cool is that to go out and, I mean, you're working within a D1 football program and doing video and a couple things that you love? Yeah, and I would definitely give uh, credit to, to Matt Jasinski. He was the one who kind of started up our, our digital media program while I was in school. And I honestly, I had no idea that that could even be a profession. I had no idea that if you made videos and, and graphics and was able to relate that to a recruiting realm, that, you know, there's an industry for that. So I, I really credit him with being kind of one of the first in the industry um, and really exposed me to that. And then he's definitely been a mentor for me along the way, along with Andrew Sherry, um, so for me, it was it was a fun opportunity after I got done to still stay involved with the program, um, still be you know connected to the program in a way that I didn't necessarily have to be an on-field coach, but I could still have that direct interaction with our players, our coaches, and the university to where I was able to, to still help contribute in a in a smaller way. Um, and then for me, you know, it was always I I never had a chance to play Division One, so for me it was it was more curiosity to where. I wanted to take a, a chance at um, helping out a, a Division One Power Five program, and eventually got the opportunity uh, with that at, at the University of Kansas for the past several years. And that was definitely a, 
a fun opportunity for me being able to control, help contribute to our recruiting classes um, where we were able to make a, a real difference in that university looking back now. But um, an amazing opportunity, but it really does make me thankful for the, the time that I did have at Northwest comparing it to, you know, Power 5 program. There, there are some great things that come with Power 5, but um, there's an old co- Coach Boswick saying where the big time is where you're at, and I think that's what everybody in Northwest really treats it as is, yeah, you know, it's a big-time place, and you're extremely thankful for the opportunity. But I really enjoyed my time at both places and in both universities and was lucky enough to, to help try to make an impact on both. It's tough to beat that game day atmosphere at Northwest Missouri State. But one small wrinkle that was kind of funny kind of looking back through it too, and I don't know if you had much interaction there. While you're at KU, former Missouri Western quarterback Travis Partridge is also working within the uh, the coaching staff there. And, of course, he was on his way out as you're kind of coming in at Northwest, only crossed paths for one year. But did you guys ever had have any friendly trash talk there about the Griffins of Bearcats? 100%. You know what's funny <laughs> is I, I consider Travis one of my good friends to this day. We uh, we really bonded over kind of that D2 and, uh, and the D1 world. So a lot of the people we have on staff actually at KU at the time did have D2 backgrounds. So for us, it was kind of fun to be able to uh, to mess around with each other with the MIAA background, having played against each other. But, you know, he's a great guy. He was very, very complimentary of, of Northwest, the coaching staff, and, and the way that we played, and, and vice versa. You know, playing against Travis was always a fun opportunity because he was one of those guys that, that would get underneath your skin real quick. But at the end of it, you know that he's a good guy with a good heart. He's just going out there trying to play the game that he loves as well. But... It is fun to kind of reminisce now and think about, you know, all those times uh, preparing for Missouri Western and looking at Travis Parges having to defend them, and then all of a sudden you're working next to him on game days. It's uh, You come a long way in a couple of years, and it's fun to see the development on both sides. It's a small world. It's kind of funny how it goes full circle like that. So, uh, all right, Kevin, I've got a few more for you, then I'll, I'll let you go. I appreciate the time here today, but um, we're getting set for Pittsburgh State this weekend at Northwest Missouri State. When you look at it and you're thinking about that MIAA schedule and even some playoff matchups, who would you say in your mind, in your time at Northwest, was the biggest rival that you kind of look forward to that matchup? Man, um, at that time, you know, I think about kind of the big three, so to speak, the UCM, Missouri Western, Pitt State. Um, for us, the Pitt, the Pitt State always kind of held a, a symbolism of our, our biggest matchup, but you know, even last week, Northwest playing Missouri Western, I think about, um, you know, game weeks in preparation for that. And I think the proximity is what adds to the rivalry there. So for the sake of the conversation, I, I'd probably say I always look forward to that Pitt State matchup the most. But, you know, the UCMs and the, the Missouri Westerns of the world, you would definitely get up for those games and really excited to play against uh, teams like those. You were a ball hawking safety back when you played, and there have been uh, so many throughout college football and in the NFL is there anyone as you're coming up that you're kind of watching them and trying to model your game after them oh man that was a great question and it's funny because uh he actually plays for the Chiefs now but I think back in and we would spend hours just watching Tyron Matthew LSU film um he was one of those guys that was just so instinctual and you still see it on Sundays to this day but he had a, a knack for putting himself in a position he was a little bit undersized He's not your prototypical starting uh, defensive back in the National Football League, but he puts himself in the position to go out there and make plays. And I think that that's what I, I personally really tried to emulate was 
I wasn't ever going to be the, the biggest, strongest, or fastest guy out there, but if I was able to, to diagnose a play a little bit quicker than my opponent could, I was able to put myself in a little bit better, better position. So it, it really goes back to the, the player development and preparation that the Northwest does and, and helps you out with. But uh, I would definitely say one of those uh, Tyron Matthew, uh, Ed Reed, Brian Dawkins types, you, you definitely try to emulate your game. And I, I'm not sure if I did a, a great job of emulating them, but it's always fun to, to try to take parts of their game uh, and, and incorporate it with your own. Three great safeties that I'm going to guess that – Ed Reed and Brian Dawkins that the current players are like, I'm not really sure who they are, but uh, they were fantastic as well when they played their careers back in the NFL. Um, all right, last one for you. This is a tough one. You played on three national championship teams. What is the best Northwest Missouri State team when you were here? You know what? I'll, uh, I'll go to my grave with this one, but I'm going to say 2016. That was um, a really special year for us, and to be able to cap that off with you know, two straight undefeated seasons and ending it in the, the Snow Bowl against North Alabama at Sporting Park was definitely the cherry on top for us. Um, so I've got I've got some amazing memories from all four years and so many great teammates, so many great teams. But I'm gonna go uh, I'm gonna go with 2016 on this one. And I can't blame you there because it felt like every single football game throughout that season, like it was a runaway. 28-7 to against Fort Hayes was the closest. I guess Ferris, 35-20 in, in the semifinal as well, was um, a little bit close there. But JB came in and manned the ship whenever uh, Zimmerman had to go out. But, uh, yeah, 2016, that was a fantastic year of Northwest Missouri State football. And really, your entire career, all the Bearcats did was win that entire time. So, uh, Kevin, it was great to have you on. Um, a fantastic career here at Northwest Missouri State and obviously still doing some big things professionally too. So appreciate you coming on with us. Absolutely. I appreciate you guys having me and um, really excited to watch Northwest take on Pitt this weekend. Thanks again to Kevin Berg joining us on Bearcat Rewind. Northwest Missouri State taking on Pittsburgh State this weekend. Kickoff at 1.30. Pre-game on the Bearcat Radio Network starts at 12.30. Last week, we had Jesse Haynes on the podcast, a former Northwest Missouri State running back, had a massive game back in 1996 as Northwest got that first playoff win under head coach Mel Churchman. You can check out that podcast. We also had Brett Westman. He's going to the M-Club Hall of Fame later this month. C.J. Moore from The Athletic and so many more archive podcasts that you should check out if you haven't just yet. Got to give a shout-out to Alex Kurt, a Northwest Missouri State professor, for producing our intro and outro music. And thank you for listening to Bearcat Rewind. I'm Matt Tritton. We'll talk to you again next time.